Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Formula One on One podcast. We took a week off just like F1 did, and now we are back this weekend with the 2022 Heineken Australian Grand Prix. As always, please follow us on our socials at F1 on One Pod on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram, where we have been posting more as we promised. So before we get into Australia itself, Sash, give us give us the updates. I mean, we've had a lot of F1 news come out for a non-race week. Yeah, Justin, I mean, obviously, you know, missed racing this past week after two pretty fun opening races, I would say. Um, but like you said, a lot of big updates in the world of F1. Obviously, the one that I'm sure a lot of people are excited for is the announcement of the Las Vegas Grand Prix that will be joining the calendar in 2023, so next season. Um, and it'll be held over the American Thanksgiving weekend, so that's late November. Obviously, the season is ending a little earlier than usual this year to accommodate for the FIFA World Cup that's being hosted in Qatar. But, you know, next year, Thanksgiving weekend, last weekend in November, um, we're going to get a Las Vegas race. The main or one of the back straights is down the Las Vegas Strip, so that should look really, really cool at night. Um, it's a 10 p.m. race start in Vegas, um, so that's like a 1 a.m. start for us on the East Coast, Justin. I don't know how you feel about that, but uh, might be a little grim when we get there. Also, another interesting thing, the race is going to be on Saturday night. Um, I haven't really heard of any other races that have been on Saturday nights. Justin, please correct me if that's not a thing. Not that I know of, or at least can think of off the top of my head. Yeah, and something that a lot of people are concerned about now is... With so many new races being added to the calendar, obviously in 2020 we were supposed to get a race in Vietnam. Now obviously Las Vegas has been added to the calendar. Miami is joining this year. What is going to happen to the density of the F1 calendar? Uh, F1 is capped at, I believe it's 24 or 25 races in a year. This season we're supposed to have 23. This makes it 24, so we are getting very, very close to that limit. And as a result, there have been some discussions about maybe one of the historic tracks of F1, like Paul Ricard, or maybe not Paul Ricard being historic, but the France France GP, um, Monaco, or Spa, just because they don't bring in as much money as some of these newer races are. So Justin, what are your your overall thoughts on this kind of stuff? Well, I think, okay, this is going to be extremely biased as an American fan, and I think it's because a lot of Europeans really don't understand the sheer size of america compared to europe like i know you can get between like spa and paul ricard within like an hour and a half and i'm sure most places in europe can get to a gp within like three hours for me and you all right let's say we want to go to miami that is a 18 hour drive we want to go to austin you actually drove to austin this summer how long was that yeah i left on a friday at like 3 p.m and i got there with like obviously stopping on sunday at like 3 p.m so it's like a pretty sizable it's like a 30 plus hour drive and then las vegas isn't even remotely possible to drive to from where we are uh it's at least like a two-day trip at that point so having more races in america i don't think is a big issue my issue lies in what races they might eliminate i mean i don't really care To be honest, if they get rid of Paul Ricard, it is not my favorite track. I actually constantly talk about how it's the most boring track on the calendar, at least in my opinion. There are other tracks that are more boring, like race-wise, like Monaco. But I think, uh, like you said, the historicness of Monaco and Spa is just too large to get rid of. So if they are to eliminate one of those three, I would hope it is France. And I'm personally very excited for the Las Vegas GP. I would love to go. Will I have the money to? Absolutely not. But, you know, 
it, it's still going to be very cool. I, I think we're going to get to see like the Bellagio, the fountains, MGM resorts as we're going down the main street. So it'll be, it'll be very, very cool. Yeah. I think in theory, this is a very good race. Obviously the track layout or tentative track layout was released. I think with the roads in Las Vegas that they had to deal with, I think they made a pretty decent track. Obviously that back straight is really, really long. Um, it looks a lot like the final straight or semi-straight kind of thing in Baku. Obviously, we'll discuss that in June when we get to the Azerbaijan GP. But, you know, I think this is going to be the second longest straight in F1. Baku obviously being 2.2 kilometers long. I believe the Las Vegas one is going to be 1.9 kilometers long. We'll see how DRS might come into that, Justin. I know DRS is something we're going to be talking about when it comes to Australia oh, today. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, but... <laughs> In terms of some more 2022 season updates, obviously after two races, Ferrari have a very, very strong lead in the Constructors' Championship. They are 38 points clear with 78 points uh, to their name. Red Bull have... uh, Oh, Red Bull have 38. I'm sorry. So Red Bull are 40 points behind them. And after winning the Bahrain GP and coming second in the Saudi Arabian GP, Charles Leclerc has 45 points, and he is 12 points ahead of his teammate Carlos Sainz, and he is 20 points ahead of last year's World Drivers' Champion Max Verstappen of Red Bull. Yeah, I think that's a pretty decent gap, at least right now, and of course we can always look back at Bahrain and be like, okay, well, Red Bull didn't have any finishing cars there, so it's kind of hard to say, oh, Ferrari are absolutely pulling away. Do they have a sizable gap? Yes. Are they pulling away? Definitely not. We saw the pace of Sergio Perez on getting on pole in Saudi Arabia last week. Obviously, Max ended up winning that race. If uh, Sergio can at least you know keep up with Carlos, it'll be a very close race throughout the entire season, I feel like. And we still have 21 more races to go. That mm-hmm. is an yeah. absolute lifetime. I know George Russell even said in an interview that Mercedes are still in the title fight, which... If, if their package that they claim to be coming out in a few weeks is as good as they say it is, then you never know. Like, we could be six, seven races in, and if Mercedes suddenly come in and they're competing for wins nearly every time, you don't really know what can happen. So, still anyone's game, but I, I would say right now Ferrari are probably pretty comfortable where they are. Um, obviously, being 40 points ahead of second place after two races is, is a very, very respectable amount, but again... You have to look at Bahrain and be like, hey, Red Bull didn't finish there. Do I think Ferrari is not going to DNF a single time this season? Absolutely not. There's just, there's almost no way that's that's happening. So I'm, I'm not too worried as a Red Bull fan, uh, but it, it is very, very big uh, from Ferrari right now, at least. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Australia, very interesting circuit. We haven't been here since 2019. Well, technically, we were there for a little bit in 2020, but then... You know, the world yeah, turned upside COVID, down. So. Yeah, uh, obviously the iconic Cassius King clip from Lewis Hamilton that we're all very familiar with in Drive to Survive and, you know, maybe other references. But more importantly, Justin, the Melbourne Grand Prix circuit around the Albert Park Lake, we have some updates. Do you want to discuss them? Yeah, yeah. So a few days ago, maybe a, a week ago or so, they, they being the FIA, released the track changes for... Albert Park this year, which I think is going to be insane, at least in terms of racing. So, first of all, pit lane changes are pretty big in any race. As we mentioned all the time, pit 
uh, pitting is probably one of the biggest spots where you're going to kind of throw away some time. You're going to lose a lot of time. So pitch strategy comes into play all the time. And the pit lane speed limit has actually increased from 60 kilometers an hour to 80 kilometers an hour, which is going to be absolutely massive. You're going to lose a lot less time. Now, obviously, it means everyone's losing a lot less time, but I think it means that pitch strategy is not going to play as much of a factor as it would have in previous years only because you're not worried about someone who's maybe like 30 seconds behind you catching up now you only have to worry about i don't know 23 24 seconds so you you don't have to build as much of a gap if you want to pit and not get um like undercut or overcut so i think that's a pretty decent addition obviously some turns were widened turn one was widened by two and a half meters turn three widened by four meters these cars are pretty big you know we gotta we gotta give them ample space the big one i think is turn six being widened by seven and a half meters now that's huge because now essentially i don't know if this is going to happen but it looks like turns four through eleven or or on the new map it's turn four through nine um because uh, 9 and 10 are no longer turns they pretty much got eliminated and now they're just a straight so basically through four four through nine on this year's track it looks like it could be taken like close to flat out if not like very very quickly it's gonna it's not a slow speed circuit at all anymore or it never really was but definitely not anymore and then turn 13 was widened and uh three meters were added to either side of it and then finally turn 15 was widened by three and a half meters again these cars are bigger than they used to be so it makes sense to have this a little bit bigger and then obviously sash we mentioned it a bit a little bit earlier drs let's let's talk about it yeah so justin something that i don't think have we have ever seen in the drs era there are four drs sections on this track um there are only two detection points though so i would i'm really interested to see how drivers end up playing what i saw on twitter being referenced as drs chicken you know obviously we saw this in jetta with max and charles uh they or not even just them but a lot of drivers would be chasing down and then they would slow down just before turn 27 to get that drs down the main straight and then we saw you know a car like the red bull just and how powerful it was with the drs even in bahrain I think Max Verstappen, what, down six-tenths, seven-tenths on Charles Leclerc going into that final straight, and then he was just able to pass him with what seemed like pretty much ease. So, you know, if this track just becomes a bunch of DRS gap building, I don't know. I hope the racing is exciting. We've had two good races so far. I would really, really like for it to be a third one, three out of three. But, you know, I think it'll be very interesting to see how DRS plays into race strategy this year as compared to previous Australian GPs. Yeah, and from my understanding, I think as long as you're behind in DRS detection zone one, then I also for reference, I'm only going to be using notation of the current track layout. So the one that was published by uh, the FIA recently with all the turn numbers. So if you're thinking about what turns, please think about the new track. So around turn six seven is where the first detection zone is and i think as long as you're behind there you get uh eight through nine and then ten through eleven um so yeah yeah so you you get both which like you said drs chicken is going to come into play i know some people on twitter are really not happy with this kind of stuff they called max last week dr dr stappen or something like that which it, it's pretty funny i'm not gonna lie but it, it's part of racing now you're gonna have to get used to it and 
maybe this is going to be a little bit too much. I mean, it looks like nearly half the track is DRS, which is just absolutely ridiculous to me. But hey, at the end of the day, that's all we really got. Um, it's not like we can change anything, so we're just going to have to hope that it, it does provide good racing. Uh, I know we always talk about overtaking points. I don't know if you want to talk about them in terms of last year's, or not last year's, but previous tracks or the current track, but I know you had a few notes on where you think the best overtaking spots are. Yeah, so obviously Main Straight with DRS has always been a staple of most F1 tracks. So, you know, that run from what is now going to be turn 14, so the last turn into turn one, I think is going to be really good for overtaking. You know, we've seen out of that high-speed chicane what used to be turn 11 and 12, which is now turn 9 and 10, uh, that also has DRS, will should also be another good overtaking spot. I think that... 11, well, that doesn't have DRS. It just, the spots before and after yeah, both yeah, have yeah, DRS. Sorry, sorry. So I think spot. that'll help really promote... So, so then I guess, like, what? If you overtake from turn 9 to turn 10 on someone, do you also then get the DRS while you're ahead of them? Yes, yeah. That's, that's insane. Works. That is insane. Yeah, it's something similar in Mexico at Hermanos Rodriguez, where if you get the DRS going down the main straight, you also get it going down the second straight after that right-left-right chicane. So it can be very, very powerful. So we might see cars building a little bit of a gap. Basically, if you overtake somehow down this DRS straight that is now between turns 8 and 9, you know, that section of the track, you know, as someone who has played just in the F1 game a lot, I'm sure you know how narrow that section can feel sometimes. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see if drivers try to overtake there, especially knowing how high speed and narrow that chicane that is now 9 and 10 is. So... You know, I think there are a lot of good overtaking spots on this track. And, you know, we saw how good the cars were able to follow, you know, in Jeddah, in Bahrain, you know, around corners, even down the straight. So I think we shouldn't really expect anything different. I don't know if the size of the track, you know, we obviously mentioned that these lanes or these roads have been widened for the cars. So I think it should promote some pretty good racing. Yeah, I think so too. I can't think of anywhere else that might be like, actually a decent spot to overtake i think you covered them all pretty well it's a pretty not pretty it is a very high speed track at this point obviously it's no jetta but it, it's very very fast compared to like um i'd say most other circuits at this point especially with the drs everywhere i kind of wonder how that's going to affect the average speed of the lap i am obviously would imagine it heavily increases it so it'll be very interesting to see I know we had a few notes about safety. Uh, Albert Park, obviously, is public roads. So do you want to talk about some of the safety precautions that are being taken this weekend to ensure that all the drivers are safe? Yeah, so Justin, like you said, Albert Park is actually the track surface is made up of public roads that people can drive on in Melbourne. Uh, but every year for the Australian GP, it's closed down and the runoffs and basically supporting race structures are rebuilt every year. So... The track does run around a lake. If you look at satellite pictures, it's actually it looks pretty cool from the sky. They always do a nice overhead shot on the F1 broadcast. So, you know, with that lake concern, there aren't always a lot of overtaking, or not overtaking, but runoff building opportunities. So, you know, now we have what is the run from turns 8 to 9. That is on the, basically, the inner side of that lane is just bordering the lake surface or the lake bank 
So they can't really build anything there to help drivers that might be going a little too fast. Um, obviously, those barriers are completely concrete. Justin, I know we have or we had some choice words last weekend about or two weekends ago, maybe about the concrete barriers and perhaps lack of padding in Jeddah. And, you know, we saw how violent collisions can be, especially with Mick Schumacher. Again, thankfully, he's doing well. And, you know, the F1 cars and their safeties and security, you know, construction is a lot more advanced now. So he was fine. But, you know, it's still a little bit just it, it leaves a little bit of concern in your mind that, you know, you hope something doesn't bad happen. And, you know, you wrote this, Justin, yeah, in Imola last year, Botas and Russell, the way they collided on Imola's main straight. Now, yes, it was raining in Imola last year and there were maybe a couple other things going on, but hopefully we don't have any situations like that. Obviously, we don't want any drivers to get hurt or be in big accidents. So, you know, I think especially the widening of the turns now, like you said, I think that's going to promote a lot more safety. People can have a little more leeway. They don't have to be as on the edge about things because as we know, being on the edge is what often leads to these accidents and we don't want that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think relatively it's going to be a safe track. We're not going to have to worry about anything like we did at Jetta with like Schumacher or Latifi uh, bending it into the wall and then slamming against concrete. So unless there's some type of freak accident, I don't see this track as like and unsafe in in any capacity so it, it'll be it'll be completely fine um one big thing about this weekend that I'm, I'm super excited for is the tire compounds because we actually for the first time in i don't know a few years we have a jump in compound so for those of you who don't know every uh race weekend pirelli gives three tire compounds to the formula one teams and they have five different compounds and they choose three to give to them so they're c1 c2 c3 c4 c5 so c1 is the hardest and c5 is the softest and also the fastest but the it lasts the least amount of time c1 obviously is the slowest it lasts the longest amount of time so normally in race weekends we have like c2 c3 c4 is what we had in saudi arabia i believe and it's always you know consecutive one two three right after the other but for this weekend we actually have c2 c3 and then c5 so one thing that i really think is going to be interesting this weekend is how long are those c5s going to last because hypothetically it should basically be like the difference between a medium and a soft is like the normal difference between a soft and a hard so we're obviously going to see a very very significant pace advantage of people who are running on those c5 compounds compared to people who are running on c3s and especially c2s so if those can last on the track for a long amount of time we're definitely going to see those people go substantially faster than the people around them on mediums or hards um so yeah i i just think obviously we have to see what the track temperature is like what other factors are that could affect the degradation of tires so it'll be very interesting this weekend but i i am personally very excited to see how that affects the outcome of the weekend yeah justin like you said this is the first time we've had that jump in tire compounds we haven't been consecutive for all three tires i think you know, pit strategy is obviously very fun. I love seeing those graphics that F1 puts on the broadcast as to when people should be pitting, what kinds of tires. And 
you know, I personally sometimes thinking it can get a little bit boring. You know, you're just your standard, oh, soft to medium or medium to hard. But now you really, really do have to think about it. You know, like you said, with track temperature, with air temperature, how are these tires going to degrade over the course of the race? And obviously for a car like Ferrari, we've heard now in Bahrain and in Jeddah that Charles Leclerc and ostensibly Carlos Sainz, they have not had as high tire deg as someone like the Alpines in Fernando Alonso or Max Verstappen even has been personally named by the Ferrari engineers as someone who might have had higher tire deg. So, you know, like you said, if someone like the Ferrari team can make those C5 soft compound tires, you know, last just a lap or two or three longer than their competition, we could see some very big gaps being formed. And I think that will bring that pit strategy into effect very, very well. And then I think there's only one more thing that we really need to mention about this weekend in terms of like different constructors, different parts of this, you know, weekend that are going to have variability over other weekends. And that's the fact that Mercedes is going to have a few upgrades. They said they're bringing a new rear wing. They're going to have some changes to the floor and that's going to help with porpoising. So do you think that that's actually going to really give them that much of a boost? I think it'll give them some pace, but I don't think it's going to be nearly enough to really get them up to where Ferrari and Red Bull are right now. Yeah, so from basically a bunch of reports, obviously this one that we're discussing right now is coming from the Formula One website, but there have been a lot of, there's been a lot of speculation, leaks, rumors coming out on Twitter, Reddit, wherever you get your F1 news that Mercedes kind of have this new and improved aero package that they're going to be deploying over, you know, a few stages. So this weekend, we obviously have the Australian GP, and like we said, you know, new rear wing and some changes to the floor to help with porpoising. Supposedly, they are also bringing some upgrades to Imola in two weeks' time. Um, That's what, the last weekend in April, I believe. And then they are also bringing more upgrades to the race in Barcelona in Spain at the end of May. And people are saying that this is going to gain them anywhere between a second to a second and a half in time. I personally don't think that that's true because also that's like so arbitrary it like i it depends what circuit you're racing on so i don't yeah i don't know but even if you just think about it a second or a second and a half that is a massive jump in performance so that means this mercedes car was just not designed optimally and you know obviously we see that red bull and ferrari are probably a little bit farther ahead but one to one and a half seconds justin that would put mercedes kind of does it put them on par with those two? I, I don't remember. Like what it, the it would put them ahead. I, I think it's just an over exaggeration. Again, it depends on what like what track we're racing on. Like one, like th- those numbers are so arbitrary. I I want to know like what percentage faster than like average are you going to go? And that that's what I think is the most important part. But like you said, this this could be really big for Mercedes if they have figured out their main issues. I. I'm not entirely sure what the specific Mercedes issues were. From my understanding, at least it was that their powertrain was just not able to compete with Honda and Ferrari. And you can't really make changes to your powertrain, so it's not like they're going to be able to gain any any speed there. So I'm not too sure what these upgrades are actually going to help with, but personally, I'm very excited to see if it puts them back into the position where they can be fighting for wins alongside Ferrari and Red Bull. Yeah. I think we say it every single time, Justin, Formula One is better when teams are more competitive. Oh my god, every time, every yeah. single time you say this. And I, I love when teams are competitive. Obviously, I, oh was my a, god. I was perhaps a bit of a Mercedes shill at the end of last year. But 
you know, I would like to see them back at the top. I would like to see Lewis Hamilton competing for race wins consistently like he should be. But I think that's kind of all we really have to touch on for them until we see that actual improvement in race pace or qualifying pace because Justin we know how qualifying went last or two weekends ago in Jeddah and I think Mercedes know they have a lot to work on they certainly do and I think that this weekend is going to be a big indicator of how they might do the rest of the season if they bring these upgrades and it they still can't get out of Q3 with both their cars then that's when people are going to start having very serious doubts about them if they haven't already but as long as they can get one of their cars in the Q3, hopefully both of them, I, I would say that this weekend is a success for them. And then, obviously, hopefully they can place like P5, P6, if anything. Um, but other than that, I don't think I have anything else to say about the circuit itself or the teams this weekend. It doesn't seem like any other team has any notable news around them for this upcoming weekend. Most of the time, if there is something big that happens with a team during the weekend, we'll end up covering it during uh, the checkered flag episode. But as far as like upgrades are, Mercedes were definitely the biggest news. So I, I guess that's about all I have to say about Albert Park and the other teams this this weekend. Yeah, I think the only other thing we can kind of bring up, and we will talk about this later in this episode, but it is Daniel Ricardo's home Grand Prix. It's his first time back home racing in Australia since 2019, obviously. So you know, obviously a very big deal for him. I think he described himself as a bundle of excitement this past week to um, the F1 interviewers. So hopefully it's a good race for him. But Justin, on that note, let's head into our next segment, which is turn one trivia. So you want to go first or should I go first? I I think you went first last time. So I'll ask my question first this time. So there is one constructor who has won more Formula One World Championship events held at Albert Park than any other constructor with 11. Who is that? Okay, that was phrased very interestingly. Like, I don't know how... Hmm. I mean, I'll just go with, like, the easy guess. Is it Ferrari? No, Ferrari has nine. Okay, okay, I'll explain this in a minute. So, if you go on the Wikipedia page and you look at it, both Ferrari and McLaren both have 12, right? Okay. But in Ferrari's case, in 1957, 58, and 1969, those were not actually Formula One World Championship ah. events, which is why I phrased it like that. And in 1970, it wasn't a Formula One World Championship event for McLaren. So in that case, McLaren has been the winning constructor at 11 different formula one world championship events versus um in those other races i had mentioned you were allowed like it was really weird you were allowed like formula one cars uh australian formula two cars i don't know it was the 50s and 60s they didn't care about things back then (laughs) yeah okay is that your only question or yeah yeah that was the only one i had okay so i guess my question is also kind of related to the history of the Australian GP. So, Justin, obviously we race in Melbourne, and we started racing in Melbourne in 1996. But prior Ooh. to that, where was the Australian Grand Prix held? Um. Okay, I actually have no idea. And I only know one other city in Australia, so I'm <laughs> going to go with... Is it Perth? It is not Perth. It is okay. actually Adelaide. Um, Adelaide. I don't really know much about the Adelaide F1 circuit, aside from the fact that it was a street circuit. And I think we share pretty similar views on street circuits, but there's a little bit of F1 Australia history for you. 
So Wow, thank you for that. Do we know yeah. anyone who like won at the Adelaide Street Circuit? Um uh, we can find out. Um let's see. Oh, wow. okay. I just looked it up. The first the first person ever on poll was Ayrton Senna there. Oh so. okay. Well, are we surprised? <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. So, anyway. you know, cool cool history. Thank you for that. I actually didn't yes. know that. I didn't realize that we were at places before Albert Park. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you know, there's our turn one trivia. I actually, I think that was the first time that either of us got a question wrong. So we really need to brush yeah. up on our Australian F1 history, or yes. we need to make the questions a bit harder every week. But <laughs> now we can go into Cope Corner, mm-hmm. where we give our hot takes, our opinions. I actually made fun of you in the episode notes because yes. you, you just never actually have a hot take. You just, like, make a generic statement about yes, the race. I so know. I'll let you go first before I give mine. Yeah, so... This lukewarm take, as you put it in our notes document for this weekend, was that I said that Australian GPs of the past have been kind of boring because it's been hard to follow in the older cars. And then I said, but new regs have shown us, even in just two races, how much better racing can be. Now, Which like, isn't even like a hot take. Like It's just is, a statement. <laughs> yeah, this is just me kind of playing both sides of the coin here very skip bayless-esque just making sure i can never be wrong no matter what happens because if it's a boring race i'll just be like oh well look i said it was a boring race in past years i knew it was going to happen but if it's like competitive cars are following each other around then i'll be like oh look i was right about the new regs i think justin this is going to be a pretty surprisingly good race like jetta was i think you know, we were very, very low on Jetta, but I think Australia is going to be a lot of fun. And I know. I hope we're not, like, better. wrong in the opposite way where we're like, man, this is going to be exciting. And then it just is the cars following each other for, like, however many laps it is that yeah. I actually forgot to look up. Okay, well, my Cope Corner... 58. My Cope Corner is an actual hot take. Maybe <laughs> it is. At least compared to yours, it's very hot. Oh, it so, definitely is. In his home GP... Daniel Ricardo will not make it out of Q1, and he will also DNF from the race, breaking the hearts of Australians everywhere. You know, I... I mean, I can't really even say anything against that, only because of what happened last weekend in... or two weekends ago in Saudi Arabia, and the weekend before that in Bahrain. Did Has Daniel Ricardo made it out of Q3 either... or Q1 either race this year? Uh, he was P18 in Bahrain and then in Saudi Arabia Hamilton was 15th um I actually do not remember if he got out of Q1 in in Saudi Arabia hmm interesting I yeah I just like yeah I mean I I don't think he's gonna make it out of Q1 unfortunately the McLaren has not been the most competitive car in the world I think we can agree on that um, in terms of a DNF, I really hope not. I really hope he can have a good race. I mean, again, we are not the biggest Daniel Ricciardo fans, but, you know, if he doesn't DNF, I think, I don't know if he's going to score points or anything like that. Um, I don't think he's even in the question to make a podium or win this race, but... Neither of the McLarens are. Yeah, I think this is... I, I, I would probably agree with this hot take, at least the first half of it. I don't know about the DNF, because that's, like, kind of luck of the draw in terms of how this weird Mercedes engine has been performing or power unit has been performing so far. But I I would also agree, Daniel Ricciardo does not make it out of Q1. Perfect. And now onto our final segment, 
with our pre-race predictions where we can earn some more points for mm-hmm. our end of season totals I finally decided to give us more than one extra question on top of pole sitter race winners so we can have hopefully a little more variability. But as always, Sash, first, who who's your pole sitter this weekend? Um, I am going to hmm. I'm gonna go with the safe and boring option again. Three in, for three? Actually, no. No, he's he's let me down twice. I have to go somewhere else now. Hmm. I will go with, you know, I'll go, I'll go like slightly bold. I don't know if you've seen those TikToks about like, like FC Wonder Kid on TikTok. Like I'm going to go bold. Um, Carlos Sainz Jr. for pole position. Wow. Okay. You know, it's a Ferrari. He has the capability. Yeah. Is he going to outperform Charles in qualifying? No, you're definitely wrong. Probably. Uh, this is a very DRS merchant track. We know how fast the Red Bull is in the straight line. Yeah. I know you wanted to choose him, but I'm happy you didn't. I'm going with Max Verstappen. Yeah. I just don't see a way he doesn't take pole here. And then race winner, I also have Max Verstappen. I don't know who you have, but I, oh, I'm putting yeah. him on pole I, and I winning will, the race. I will take Max Verstappen to win a race. I like, like you said, DRS track for the race. I think he, that will be very, very beneficial if he is chasing down cars. I just i just needed to be a little bit different in my heart maybe i wanted to pick max but my mind told me to to be a little different and upset things so i'll take science on pole but max to win the race all right well you know those are the more boring predictions but now we have three extra questions for even more points mm-hmm. all right three constructors i'm gonna give you and you need to tell me who's scoring the most points out of sure. those three this weekend mclaren alpha tari alpha romeo it's going to be Alfa Romeo. Whoa, I I disagree. I think really? it's going to be Alfa Tari. I think Alfa Tari is okay. going to show up. Pierre Gasly is going to hit like a P6 or something. Yuki Tsunoda will scrape by with a point. You know, maybe Valtteri Bottas and Pierre Gasly will be fighting near the top. Mm-hmm. I don't think Zhou Guan, uh, Guan Yu is, is going to be able to put his car in the points again. And then I... I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think out of those three, McLaren is probably the worst right now. Oh, absolutely. So I don't really see I don't really see them scoring many points. Maybe maybe they'll they'll get a nice P9, P10, and scrape up three points. But I I'm pretty confident that AlphaTauri are are going to score the most points out of those three. Yeah, I mean my hesitation with AlphaTauri is. You know, they obviously had Pierre Gasly's issue in Bahrain. They had an issue with Yuki Tsunoda that caused him to not even start the race in Jeddah. You know, obviously, Bottas's That's a good shout, actually. Bottas's retirement in Saudi Arabia was very, very unfortunate. He was having a great race up until that point. You know, Bahrain, both Joe and Bottas, I believe, scored points. So it was a great start for them as constructors. I personally, after seeing just two races of him... Like, maybe I am number one Guan Yu Zhou or Zhou Guan Yu fan, man. I really like what he brings. Obviously, he's inexperienced in Formula One. He's only had two races under his belt. But I really like what I've seen from him. And therefore, I am extremely high on Alfa Romeo to score a lot of points this weekend. There you go. All right. For our penultimate question, will Lewis Hamilton make it to Q3 and tiebreaker for an additional five points? What position will he finish in? I'll go first since you've gone first. I think he will make it to Q3 and he will finish in P6. Wow, that is exactly what I was going to say. So, well, that sucks. You have to pick a different answer. Yeah, yeah. I will say yes to Q3, but I think he will be. 
Hmm. He's going to be in the lower half of Q3, which is also P6. Now that I, <laughs> I yeah, that that was not a smart choice of words. Um, I will take P7. P7. You know, I selfishly wanted to go first there because I felt like we were going to have the exact same yeah. thought process. Like, Mercedes should get there. Are they going to be good? No. And I think George Russell is going to out-qualify him. So mm-hmm. I think George Russell will get the P5 and Hamilton will get the P6. So, you know, that's just my opinions. Maybe you'll yes. be right. But, hey, it it looks like at least we have the same thought process that this upgrade that Mercedes is bringing is going mm-hmm. to give them, hopefully, a, a decent amount of pace in Australia at least. All right, well, on to our final question. Uh, You can decide if I answer first or if you answer first. Sure. Will Mick Schumacher score his first ever points? I'll go first. Justin, on his return to Formula One after an extremely harrowing accident. This better not be big because that'll be fucked up. Mick Schumacher will score points. Okay, I I don't think he's going to. I think Kevin Magnussen is faster than him, and I don't think more than one Haas is going to get into the points. I think they are very good this year, at least compared to the past two years. I think a lot of people are taking into account that P5 that Kevin got in Bahrain a little too much, not realizing that it was the result of two Red Bulls DNFing and making them think that Haas is a lot faster than they actually are. Now, is Haas slow? No, they're they're more powerful than the Mercedes right now. So, you know, they have that going for them, it feels like. I mean, mm-hmm. Lewis said that the Haas was too powerful in Saudi Arabia <laughs> for him to keep up with, which imagine hearing that like last year or two years ago. That is absolutely absurd. But I, I don't see Schumacher scoring points this weekend, maybe in a few weeks. But I still think he's going to end up finishing behind Magnussen, and I don't think Magnussen is going to even finish that high anyway with the Mercedes being apparently better with Ferrari and Red Bull obviously going to occupy four other spots it, mm-hmm. and then Alfa Romeo and Alfa Tari I think are probably faster than them at this moment but you know only time will tell so we actually do have some some differing answers here for the first time so there should be a pretty large point swing in one direction this weekend yeah. I don't know if you have anything else you want to add before we wrap it up yeah I mean I guess just on my Mick Schumacher optimism I think that Yes, Kevin Magnussen is faster than him, but I think that there is a scenario in which Mick Schumacher can steal a P10. Um, I, after this past weekend and subsequent week, have not been too high on Alpine. Justin, Fernando Alonso in three races is now onto his third internal combustion engine. Like, yeah, it's it's not going to be good for the rest of the season because after your fifth yeah. one, it's a five grade, five place grid penalty every single time. Is it five? No, isn't it three? I think after three, you start getting some form of penalty, but after five, you get the grid penalties. Oh, okay, okay. I was gonna say because, yeah, Alpine seem to have prioritized power over reliability, and I don't know. I don't think that is a recipe for success. I think Mick Schumacher might steal a P10 here and get a singular point and give me these 10 points in our one-on-one head-to-head battle. You know, we really need to come up with soon what what this big reward is at the end of the season for whoever ends with more points. So um, maybe... Oh, gosh. I actually have no idea. We'll, we'll come up with it, mm-hmm. and we'll announce it next Formation Lap episode. Sure. So we have, like, a week or so to yes. think of it. But on that note... Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you for coming back after, like, a full week and a half off. We appreciate you guys coming back. We will see you guys on Sunday at some point 
for our episode of the Checkered Flag. We're not going to be recording it right after the race just because the race is at 1 a.m. where we are and we do not want to record at like 3 a.m. and then I have to edit it and then not be able to (laughs) post it until 4 a.m. So it'll be up sometime this Sunday for us. But uh, as always, please follow us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram at F1on1pod and we will see you this Sunday. Peace. Peace.